Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hey, what's up, Team Building Podcast Nation? I'm excited to be presenting to you one of my favorite podcasts. I'm going to be interviewing my best friend and business partner in my investment company, Dynamic Properties, Clint Bartlett. We're actually going to both be broadcasting out of Omaha, Nebraska today, and we're really excited to have him as part of the show. Clint was one of our keynote speakers at our Team Building Summit this last summer, and the response to his session has been phenomenal. A lot of top team leaders and broker owners across the country have been reaching out to him on Instagram and Facebook asking for more information. So here we are today. Uh, We have an interview with Clint. We're going to go for about 30 minutes, and we're going to talk about the why the what, the who, and how to find and fund real estate acquisition deals. And the big surprise is that we are going to start in the month of September offering investment workshops. It's ersinvestmentworkshop.com if you want to learn more about that event. Clint Bartlett, welcome to the podcast today. Jeff, such a great honor. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here, Clint. We really appreciate it. Well, hey, share with the audience real quick um, how you decided to get into investing in real estate. You know, I know for you, one of the unique stories is that you were never a real estate agent. Um, You you know, selling real estate, you never had a real estate team, and you came right into the business and started buying houses. How did that happen? Yeah. uh, You know, I actually spent 10 years in a couple of different corporate roles. I worked in, in Southern California for a while, and then both locally here in Omaha, Nebraska, Of course, Jeff, you and I have been lifelong best friends, lots of uh, life experiences together. And uh, we had started uh, kind of coming up with ideas about what we could do to to grow a business together. And it just made sense. All the while I was watching Jeff grow his real estate team and grow his real estate businesses and building all these other bolt-on businesses. And uh, we hit a point where it just made sense to do a couple of experimental flips. So all the while, while I was still working in my corporate role in 2014 and 2015, we did about eight or 10 uh, flip deals that you and I did together and just kind of used the money for, for fun money, vacation type money. Uh, but in 2016, we, we'd started to build up enough deals to where I could actually quit my, my corporate job and build a full scale flipping business. And we talk a lot on our podcast about exiting the day-to-day and running the CEO model. Of course, when you're working a corporate gig um, to get to the CEO model, it's going to be kind of challenging at a company of the magnitude of um, Conagra and a lot of the other businesses you worked with. So one of the things Clint's not going to say about himself, but he was making over a six figure income family of four young kids. Obviously for most, that'd be a really tough decision to choose to exit that. But what Clint and I did strategically was within the first 12 months of partnering, we created what we would call clarity in our business. We knew exactly what it would take to do one deal. And Clint remind me, but I think we had four or five deals under contract and we knew we were going to net over a hundred thousand off those four deals. And that was with you working part-time. And so we both challenged ourselves and we said, well, what if Clint quit his job altogether? We'd be at a half a million dollars our first year. And that's pretty much what we did. Exactly. Uh, we had enough in the pipeline to justify quitting. That's all we knew. There was no, I mean, we could not see all of the light or have a, a complete knowledge of what we were going to do, but there was enough to justify. Yeah. The so let's talk about this. So obviously we're in a seller's market for a lot of people out there listening. They've got real estate teams or their agents or their brokers, and they've always wanted to invest in real estate. They just haven't done it. Or maybe they've done it, but they haven't done it to the level they know they should. 
Today, we're going to be talking about why one should invest, what one would invest in, who, ne who is necessary to build an investment wheel, and then how to find the deals and how to fund the deals. Now, this is what we're going to get into depth in in our workshop. So again, if you go to ersinvestorworkshop.com, it's $997 to come spend a day with Clint and I. We're going to be interviewing also at that workshop all of our direct reports. If you come the day previous, that's September 24th is our first investor workshop. The day before is our team building workshop. So if you come to the team building workshop, that's 997. You can add the investor workshop onto that for 497. So essentially it's 50% off if you're coming to the event the day before. So we'd love for you guys to come check out both of those or one of the two. Um, but really excited, Clint, to take everyone through the topics today. We're going to, again, at the workshop, get deep into these topics. But for the sake of the podcast, we try to keep these under 30 minutes. Let's start with the first foundational point of why. Theologically, why would somebody even think to invest in real estate? And we'll talk a little bit about the Burr strategy. The why. Uh, for me, the why was all about exiting a rat race. And flipping houses is great, but it is a job like no other. Um, it is a job. You earn the income, uh, and then you need to earn more income to, to keep surviving. So the passive income and to become, to become passively wealthy was the why for me and Jeff? I think it was the same for you. Was how do we how do we build something that can passively build us wealth? Yep. So rentals became that end game, and everything that we started to do from the very beginning, from the day that I quit my job, it was about how can we acquire rentals and build and scale something quick enough to where we are appreciating and cash flowing. Um, within the next few years. So I'll help breaking the numbers down for the listeners. Clint and I always talked about a hundred deals in our first couple of years, a um, hundred acquisitions in, the, in and around the Omaha area. Now that can be, it doesn't matter what you're into, just matters that you're into something, single family, multifamily, storage units, commercial, whatever is your poison picket. Uh, we'll talk about why we've chosen single family as our vehicle. Um, we'll really get into the nuts and bolts of that at the workshop. But um, First and foremost, our first goal was 100 units, to your very point, Clint. At, in Omaha, our average property is worth around $100,000. So at 100 units, that's a $10 million portfolio. You can expect to earn about 1% a month um, or 12% a year of the value of the portfolio in monthly residual. So once you have your debt paid down, obviously on $10 million, you're going to be bringing in $1.2 million a year. So Clinton and I are 50-50 partners. We looked at that and said, hey, if we had 100 houses paid off in the next 20 years, we'd both be, we'd be doing really well. We'd both be making $600,000 a year. Now our goal is 1,000 doors. Because we have clarity, we already have almost 100 doors acquired within two years. I, we've challenged each other. We said, let's get to 1,000 doors in and around Omaha, single family and multifamily. And let's make, you know, what does that put us at? 600 times 10. Pretty uh, dang good residual. It's a billion dollars a year, I think is the number. We're going to make a billion a year, five billion a year or something. <laughs> I don't think it's a billion a year, but um, I think 600 times 10, I mean, it's $6 million, um, $6 million a year once all of that debt is paid down. And we never will pay it fully down. We're going to be fully, we won't be fully leveraged, but strategically, we want to be at about a 50% equity position and continue to leverage into bigger projects just because that's mm -hmm. where our passion's at. So exactly. I guess defining the why, talk through the Burr strategy for those listening. And I love that you pointed out, you know, a lot of people in the investment game are flipping or wholesaling and wholesaling. And we'll talk about all the different options when finding a property. There's five that Clint will take us through. But before getting us to that, because you did talk about residual, what is this Burr? Burr. Okay, let's talk about Burr. Burr is buy, renovate, rent, refinance and repeat. So 
There's no vowels in there, so it's not a real word, uh, but it is basically the process by which you acquire residential real estate or commercial real estate, um, fix it up, put a, put a tenant in, refi, pull all of your initial cash back out and sometimes, and then some, mm. and then simply repeat the process. It is a uh, basically infinite process that you can do over and over with uh, the same chunk of cash that you started with. So as people listen to this, I mean, is there ever a reason you'd choose to wholesale or wholesale and what is a wholesale or flip? Oh, like what are, right in. yeah, talk about the five strategies as we look at a property, like why would somebody waste their time with that? Why wouldn't you just hold everything? Okay, that's a loaded question, Jeff. Uh, in, in the flipping world, uh, investors, real estate investors have several different ways they can both acquire and disposition or get rid of properties. Um, wholesaling is, uh, generally speaking, a very entry-level uh, spot in the investor world. So wholesaling is es- essentially uh, going and getting a property under contract and um, simply reassign that contract to an end buyer. So you bring no money to the deal and you in- include an assignment fee that the end buyer has to cover. Um, so wholesaling is a way to both acquire real estate and, um, and disposition it to others. Uh, with very little risk because you're okay. able to how, simply reassign. How much should some, someone expect to make on average per wholesale deal? It, it really depends on the market. Uh, I, I've known people to wholesale deals so they can simply make a couple thousand dollars. They'll just reassign it out. Um, but there's people who've made wholesale deals of well over six figures on one wholesale okay. deal. So our average though in Omaha over the last 12 months has our been Our average right wholesale about. deal, we try to average between ten and $15,000 okay. on that. So for those sale. realtors listening, you know, your typical payout is going to be 24 to 3% when you represent a buyer. You know, so on a $100,000 house, that's three grand. I think you should have a minimum that's at least higher than what you'd get paid as a commission. Maybe call that 5,000. Clint, what would we do if we go to a property and we don't think there's 5,000 in there? Like we can't make it work at even a $5,000 margin on a wholesale. You know, us particularly as Jeff, a lot of, we pass on some deals. If, if we can't make the numbers work, um, we try to have the discipline to simply pass, which yep. is okay. a strategy yep. in itself to say. Number no. one, we wholesale. Number two, we can pass. Number three, wholesale. What is wholesale? Wholesaling is uh, actually buying the property. We put it under contract and we close as the end buyer. Uh, we simply clean it out, clean it up and list it on the MLS. So the How much would we that, typically pay to clean it up, clean it out? What are we doing there? Uh, we're into it for under, under $500, under $1,000. The goal sure. is to be under $1,000 of cleanup and maintenance or whatever. Exactly. A lot of the houses that we buy come with furniture and old junk and we buy hoarder houses. How, how so much should we earn on a wholesale? We should earn over 18, but we expect to earn 20 grand on a wholesale. So the average we've been earning on wholesales in Omaha is about $20,000 net profit. Correct. Okay. And then what is a flip? Obviously, HGTV has painted a picture. What do you believe a flip to be? Uh, A flip is when you actually do some sort of a renovation to a property. Uh, Our particular company, we are not big into fully gutting houses or moving walls or dealing with big issues. Uh, We love the flips where we can come in and do paint, carpet, fixtures, maybe add granite uh, or quartz or do some upgrades. Uh, But our typical flip is about a a $15,000 renovation. Mm-hmm. And we, we try to make 25 grand or more on a flip. Okay. And then a hold. What's a hold? A hold is a rental. That is the end game. Uh, if, we, if we come into a property that is in a good neighborhood that we feel like is going to appreciate, that has a good school district, uh, that is the right amount of bedrooms, bathrooms, which I would call a 3-2 or a 4-2 or even a 3-1 in some cases, um, we have been very selective about the zip codes and the areas. 
Um, if we, we if we come into a property that's not dilapidated, that only needs that paint and carpet quick cleanup, uh, we acquire it, close on it, um, and and leverage that bird process to to put a tenant in, and pull all of our cash back out, and continue to repeat that. And what would you say had we chosen to flip or um, even wholesale that rental property versus holding it? What would you have said? What would you guess the margin would have been? And a different way to ask this is how much value is there in the equity once we've put a tenant into that property? Uh, the value is very similar to a, a flip or a wholesale. Okay, so there's about still, there's still yeah, potentially twenty to thirty thousand dollars of profit that we okay. rather than cash so, out, we simply refied it, repositioned. Out of curiosity, when you choose to refi a property, either at closing or within twelve to twenty-four months, um, what is the advantage of wholesaling and making a profit, or wholesaling and making a profit that you then have to pay tax on versus refining it twelve to twenty-four months later, or even refining it day of closing? Great question. Uh, we try to be selective, and I emphasized this earlier, about where we want to own rentals. So there are some houses that just are not a good fit, whether it be price point, location, condition, uh, that we choose not to operate in certain neighborhoods or parts of town. Um, so they, it makes better sense to wholesale, wholesale, or flip those properties because I don't want to own that property for the next 15 to 20 to 50 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you, when we know that it's not going to be a great rental, we automatically ask ourselves, is this a wholesale, wholesale or flip, or is it a pass? If it's something we know we're going to hold, we're going into it knowing, Hey, we're only going to put a couple hundred bucks in 500 to a thousand and we're going to clean it up and we're going to put a tenant in. Typically what's the rule. I know we said, I said earlier, 1% of the after repair value per month is what you should be charging in rent. What is your rule when you acquire a property and you know, it's going to be a hold. Is it 1% or are you looking for a little bit higher than that? We're looking for more. One percent is a great rule. So if you're buying a hundred thousand dollar house, um, you want to be able to get a thousand dollars monthly rent out of that. Um, we would love to to spend a hundred grand on a house and be closer to a twelve fifty, thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred dollar rent. Um, and in some cases, depending on the neighborhood, even a one point five. Uh, 1.5%. As we've looked, I know our overall on our portfolio, I think we're at about 1.5%, which is phenomenal. There's a ton of markets in the country. You're lucky to get a half a percent. And then something else that we should make mention of that property that's after repair value is a hundred thousand. We are not buying it for a hundred thousand and being at the 1.5 margin. We're buying it typically at 30% below the after repair value. So walk somebody through that as far as deal analysis is concerned on a hold. What are the parameters that you're looking at? The, the, quick, the quick down and dirty deal analysis is what we call the 75% rule. So we take 75% of the ARV or the after repair value and use that as a multiplier minus our repair costs to, to come to an offer price. So as an example, let's talk about this $100,000 house. Actually, the average value of our home is probably closer to 150, but we're going to leave it at 100,000. Um, if, if, if I'm going to buy a house that's eventually going to be worth $100,000 on the market, I need to buy that at when you say eventually, just to make sure the audience knows, you're saying eventually in a month from now, not eventually five Eventually, years or let's say after repairs. It may need Correct. some repairs. Okay. When I want to have it comparable to the other houses that are going to be on the market in that area. Okay. So within 30 days. Make sure that, it, yeah, that it's competitive on the market. Okay. So we're going to buy that house at 75% of that ARV. So call that $75,000 minus the cost of repairs. So let's say that this house needs a lot of work. Let's say it needs $25,000 in repairs and improvements to get it to market value. Then we're going to buy that at 75% minus 25,000, which is 50,000. We're actually going to buy that. We need to buy that at half off of the eventual value. 
Yep. And we probably won't have a ton of time to get into the financing part. So let's you let's do that now. And then we'll take you guys through the who, um, all the different players in our organization. So financing a $50,000 deal, let's walk the listeners through that, at least from our experience in Omaha okay. and what typically we see across the country. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, Jeff, the deal that you and I first financed together, I think we both put about the same amount of money into pot. We leveraged uh, a credit line that you had. Um, so we did not bring in any other, but any others, any, somebody else's money into that deal. Um, that we, we stayed that way for about two years. Um, so as real we, quick for those listening, a lot of people qualify for a home equity line of credit. That to me is one of the best vehicles to leverage your own personal residence. Obviously there's risk associated with it because you're personally guaranteeing. But what we found is in the beginning, you have to be willing to put some risk out there. And to Clint's point, that is how we funded a lot of our deals in the beginning. Um, for holds, that's a little bit more challenging strategy, but for the flips and the um, hotel wholesales, et cetera, you know, you're going to get your money back and you can pay that line off really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to me. Where were we at? Yep. So on a typical $50,000 acquisition that's oh, getting money. funded by private money, break the numbers down really quick for our listeners. And how we finance it now or back then? Yep. I mean, we, we've been creating- How we would do it now on a long-term hold. We wouldn't okay. use the strategy uh, back then on a long-term hold. Okay. Jeff and I have spent uh, several years building relationships with, with a few different local banks. Um, so currently we have credit lines uh, that we're able to buy these houses on and very- quick fashion without all the typical minutia that you go through with the bank of appraisals and waiting periods. So we can simply close on a house within three or four days and have it financed. One of the, one of the banks that we work with locally requires us to put 10% down. So on this $50,000 house that we're going to buy this hypothetical, we would only have to put $5,000 down. They would fund the other, obviously the other 90%. Um, and we could be into that house for, for five grand just as a down payment. So 45, they fund 45,000. That'd be our debt obligation. And Clint, you're talking about a line. Uh, most of ours though are long-term. So like a three, we have a three-year or a five-year amortized mortgage. So, on and year. I'm talking about the initial purchase. So as we first buy a house, we buy it on the credit line because we need to do something quick. Uh, when we decide that we're going to keep that house as a rental, obviously we start fixing it up, whatever repairs are necessary to get it ready for a tenant. And we move on to another local bank that we have a great burr relationship with where they'll quickly refinance it. A lot of banks may require a seasoning period where you have to own the property for six months or a year, or they may require that a tenant has been in place for a certain amount of time. Uh, this bank that we work with will simply refi us out um, based off an appraisal at a very high, uh, so yeah. we're, able, we're highly leveraged on them, but we're able to pull our cash out very quickly, uh, I would say with even in three weeks of purchase. Okay. So we're using the line so we can close within seven days. And we usually let the seller decide how, you know, we let them define the terms and we do everything is purchased as is. We do inspections, but we always know kind of what we're getting ourselves into. We'd never back out. We just change the price depending on what's found in that inspection. Traditionally, you'll see banks are going to require 20% down. That's what we see across the board, maybe even 25%. Mm-hmm. The challenge with going traditional bank funding, correct me if I'm wrong, is that it can take too long. So it's not as good of a deal to someone to have to wait 60 days or 45 days. And that's why we try to have a line. We acquire all the properties independent of what we're doing with it on our line. And then if we decide to hold it, we do a quick claim deed with our my title company for $1 and move it over to a separate portfolio that houses right. all of our holds. A couple of other areas to, I mean, if you're new in the investing world, uh, there is such a thing as hard money. We have a local uh, hard money guy here in Nebraska who loves lending out uh, money. It's more expensive. A lot of times with hard money, you're going to pay anywhere from 12 to 14 to 16% um, interest rate. And you're going to 
probably pay some points up front. So you're yeah. going to pay an additional percent of value of the purchase price or 2% right up front um, on the yeah. front end of the deal. So it's costly money, but if you're in the flipping game and you know you're going to turn a house quickly, yeah. or if you know you're going to refi it quickly, it allows you to purchase up front and make a quick transaction sure. and then uh, simply disposition it. So we'll get in, into the nitty gritty once you guys come out to our workshop in September and we're going to offer one in October as well. It's not up on the website yet, but we'll have it up soon. Um, when you guys come out, we're going to actually look at the different deals that we've already acquired and help teach you exactly how we decide if it's going to be a wholesale, a flip, a wholesale, a hold, or if we should pass. Uh, we have actually a calculator. When you come out, you're going to get access to our all of our intellectual property in our investment drive. So you'll have access to all of our marketing materials, our job descriptions, um, our deal tracker, um, our in, a calculator essentially to deter determine what the offer prices should be. And we'll talk more about private uh, funding, seller financing, bank financing. Uh, we even share, I think, our bank presentation. We have a, Clint and I have sat down in front of probably over 20 local banks with a 30-minute presentation similar to like a listing presentation to show the bank that they should invest with us. And in our experience is that most investors will start off with banks and implement the birth strategy, but eventually they hit a ceiling and the banks will no longer lend. And in that case, you got to go private, hedge fund money, uh, for personal family and friends or seller financing. So we'll get into that at the workshop. Let's use our last 10 minutes talking about the team that we've built, um, who the players are, who the key roles are, what they do. Um, if you come out to the workshop, we're actually going to be bringing those people to the workshop to speak to their exact positions. And I think this is the special sauce. People are always like, Jeff, how are you guys buying a hundred houses a year? That's insane. We're holding over 33%, over a third of the houses we acquire as long-term rentals. We've built a business, just like the real estate teams that a lot of us listening are, are running right now. We've built the same system, but for investing. So Clint, why don't you walk us through what all those positions are? Sure. Uh, the first position that we added uh, beyond just you and I, Jeff, was the acquisition manager. Uh, there actually, it's actually an agent on Jeff's team uh, that was able to work the leads that we were creating, creating. And I need to work backwards for a minute. One of the most important things we do in an investing business is generate leads from motivated sellers. So we market directly to sellers. We're not buying houses on the MLS. We're buying them off the MLS. Yeah. We're, creating, we're creating those leads and they're flowing to an acquisition manager who is then working and nurturing those leads, setting up appointments so that I and the acquisition manager can go on the appointment and negotiate a deal. Okay. So the first role that we added was acquisition manager. Um, and it was and a full-time agent from my team. And now we have two full -time full -time agents who are no longer two. working traditional deals. They're a hundred percent working in our investment company now. Correct. Yeah, they're yeah, on my team, Omaha's elite, but their full-time job is now spent helping acquire and disposition our deals. Correct. Uh, the second role that we added was a project manager. Uh, we need a project manager to, to help coordinate repairs um, and improvements on flips on our holds. And even, even, even if we're going to wholetail something, we need to schedule the cleanouts and the cleanups. Uh, so my older brother, Tyson is actually, he's been our project manager for going on three years now, um, which is a, a key role. Um, mm -hmm. we don't use generals. Um, we only use subcontractors, uh, to save money and we have great relationships with our subs, but, uh, really the only in-house, uh, construction related person we have is, is Tyson. The, okay. The what else? Manager role. Uh, we have two salespeople, telemarketing people uh, that are both virtual assistants out of the Philippines. One does our inbound sales or inbound phone calls. So a lot of the leads that we generate um, challenge people to call a phone number. So we have to answer that phone. Um, and then we have an outbound sales. So we're, we're directly calling as a form of marketing uh, potentially motivated sellers. All right. So in, inbound, outbound. And we just hired a marketing director as well. 
um, to coordinate all of our, our spend and results uh, with each marketing category that we have. So we have separate, several different categories of marketing that we're doing, mm-hmm. um, but that's a, a key role for us in managing our marketing and make sure we're not burning money. Yep. And then talk a little bit about disposition and wholesaling. Uh, disposition and wholesaling. We have a, we just added a, a disposition role. So uh, prior to our acquisition managers who really deal with the front end and working the leads, we're also dispositioning our properties on the back end, which is typically listing it as a wholesale. We're just listing these properties as is. Uh, but now as our, as we've grown and as we have more volume, uh, we're wanting to disposition somebody through the wholesale process. Uh, so we've added a dispositions manager to essentially handle everything that is on the back end that we're selling. Okay. So we've separated those duties between buying and selling. And then the wholesale role? Uh, the wholesale role will all fall in that disposition bucket. Um, as we start to disposition off market and reassign contracts to other end buyers, okay. uh, he'll, he'll disposition in the same way. Okay. And just for, for transparency's sake, and correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of people always want to know how to compensate. We've chosen to give our acquisition managers $2,000 for every deal that we acquire and $1,000 for every deal that gets dispositioned. Um, our project manager or a project manager probably should earn anywhere between fifty dollars and $100,000 a year, depending on how much work and time is going into the projects. The wholesaler is getting compensated a th- uh, 10% of whatever net profit we make. So if they assign a contract and we earn $10,000, they'll get a thousand as compensation. Our marketing director, I think a, a great marketing director probably should be around thirty to $50,000 a year. And there could be bonuses tied to that. We haven't done that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Clint serves as the operator. He is the implementer. And then I serve more as a visionary. I'm paid for my uh, my time looking for the bigger deals. And I think I pay myself, what do we pay? 2000 a month, something like that. And then Clint's getting paid around $10,000 a month. So let's end, let's end on finding. And this is one that I think a lot of people are going to get a lot, a lot of value out of the workshop. Uh, we don't have a lot more time, but let's run through our top eight mediums for finding deals. A lot of times people ask, are you finding the deals on the MLS? We have not really implemented a huge strategy around MLS acquisition. We are going to start making offers to every house that hits the MLS that meets our criteria. And they're just going to automatically get an offer and then a reminder every 30 days after that offer has been submitted. But we don't have any proof on that. So Clint, what are our best mediums? I'm running through those real quick. Okay. Uh, There's a lot. So you might have to help remind me of some. Um, Direct mail is our number one. Um, Pay-per-click, we call it PPC or Google AdWords. Uh, is a big one for us. Outbound calling, telemarketing, um, and a little sub bucket of that is called voice broadcast. Are we able to to basically broadcast a, a recorded message of me, and people get to press one to be connected to mm-hmm. the assistant? Um, we just started doing bandit signs again. We do door hangers. Um, I'm on the radio. We just started doing some radio advertising this year. Uh, constantly trying uh, new new techniques and tweaking the old techniques. Mm-hmm. A big piece of that, Jeff, that I really want to emphasize is who you're marketing to. Um, so we market to motivated sellers and what is a motivated seller? Obviously a motivated seller is somebody who wants to sell their house, um, and is willing to sell it at a, at a deep discount. Uh, generally speaking, we're, we're marketing to absentee owners, which is anybody who owns a house and they don't live inside that house. So a tired landlord is a perfect example. Probably one of our number one, uh, clients that we work with is a tired landlord who has one or two houses. They have terrible tenants. They want to get rid of that house right now. There's mm-hmm. a tenant in there that they can't, uh, that they can't evict or they haven't evicted or they've been too lazy to evict. Those are the sorts of problems that, that we assume. Uh, age and equity is a big one. We market to a lot of people who are simply over 50 years old um, or who have 50% or more equity 
in their property. Obviously, if yep. you have little equity, you're not going to be able to sell to us. If we're buying at 30 to 40% below uh, market value, uh, the seller has to have equity. I know. And then if there's other situations that people are motivated, um, divorce, behind on payments, probate, they just inherited the house. Um, so we work with a lot of people in those situations that need to offload quickly or they're embarrassed to show their home or there's too many repairs. There's a million reasons, but we really try to make sure that all that marketing that we're doing is, is aimed at that motivated seller. Audience. Anyone overwhelmed yet? Jeez. And 120 seconds. He pretty much just shared every single strategy that we're implementing. Nothing's a secret. This is $20,000 a month in spend. We track every medium. We know the total amount of leads that come from every one of those mediums. How many appointments we have to go on. I mean, what does this sound like, you guys? This is internet lead conversion best strategies. We're using the exact same processes. It is the same process. Not only that, our acquisition managers wears two hats. They go on the appointment obviously looking for the five different ways. But the sixth way to make money that we didn't talk about is listing the property traditionally, which we try not to do, but it does happen occasionally. And so um, today we've really gotten into all of it. Why would we want to invest in real estate? What are our options when looking and analyzing a deal? Who are the players in building and scaling out a successful business? Finding the deals, funding the deals. And that is every piece that we could think of that would bring the most value to our listeners. This was less than 30 minutes. And we just gave you guys the exact recipe, the special sauce behind launching your scalable, profitable investment business today. If you want to come out to our workshop, spend all day with Clint, spend all day with me, spend all day with our direct reports. Sign up now. Go to ersinvestorworkshop.com to go to our Eventbrite link. It's $997. If you want to come to the team building workshop the day before, we'll give you 50% off the workshop the day before. Or if you're coming to the team building workshop, 50% off the investor workshop. So essentially, it's a net total of $1,497 to go to both. You can um, instant message me or send an, uh, an email out to Elite Real Estate Systems to find out what the discount codes are, assuming you are going to be going to both. Clint, any, um, any final words of advice and wisdom from you today? Yes. You ready for it? Please. This is a piece of gold. Okay. Sell the milk, not the cow. Think there on that. Go. All of us Sell are making milk, little commissions off, off each of those deals, aren't we? It's the cow. Got to sell the milk. Yep. That's all I got, Jeff. All right. Well, we really appreciate you, Clint. And if somebody wants to reach out and just thank you for being a part of this, obviously go to iTunes and leave this episode a five-star review. Um, the podcast, uh, leave it a five-star review and give a shout out to Clint. But Clint, how can someone reach out to you? You know what? They can, they can email me. They can call me. I don't know what I'm supposed to share on a podcast. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do your phone number, but you might just share like your Instagram handle or your Facebook page. Yes. Uh, let's do IG because I just got into that. It's the Clint Bartlett. That's the, the Clint, Clint Bartlett. Bartlett, B-A-R-T-L-E-T-T. -T. So right. shoot hit Clint, me up on IG. Shoot Clint a message. Thank him for the time today. Clint, you did an awesome job. We'll definitely Thanks, look buddy. at having you back. And I know you will, you will participate in this workshop coming up, but Clint will also be a keynote speaker next year at our Team Building Summit 2020. Um, the event is already on the site, theteambuildingsummit.com. The dates are July 12th through July 14th. You don't want to miss it. We had over 100 people this year and expect to be in the 150s to 200s this coming year. And Clint's going to be speaking all about investing. So awesome yeah. time today, Clint. Thank you again for Thanks, uh, being on the show. Thank you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Later.